Hi, I'm Irene Yanku, and this is my podcast. I have spent my entire career in dentistry learning. Learning about new technology, techniques to better my clinical skills, and now I'm a practice owner and leader. In life as a learner, I've noticed my truest love for learning has not been about teeth or what material is best used for a core buildup. It's been learning about people in our dental community. The educators, scientists, clinicians, business owners, and advocates, their stories, their lives, their why, and their what's next. Getting to know them as humans, identifying how they work, what their rituals are, while highlighting them as the true trailblazers in dentistry. And that's what I do here on the show. So hold on to your suction. It's about to get slippery here on the Tooth or Dare podcast. Welcome back, peeps, to another episode of the Tooth or Dare podcast. Happy National Dental Hygienists Week. Happy Oral Health Month. Happy whatever day today is that you're listening to this episode or watching this on YouTube. Um, I'd like to share with you some really cool things that are happening over the next week, especially here in Canada. Uh, the Canadian Dental Hygiene Association has like ramped up its marketing campaigns. There are like billboards all over Canada and multiple different locations. There's a new TV commercial. There's like a lot of clips on the news. Um, there's a coloring contest. There's a lot of really cool things that are happening um, that I encourage you to check out on their website. And of course, like from Instagram, I um, did something cool. I was in a magazine, first official non-dental magazine, um, called Hello Magazine, which is like a Canadian hello version. And, you know, the cover is like royals and Lady Spencer, Princess Diana's niece got married and, um, you know, all of these like amazing things happening. Oh, look, there's Ryan Reynolds and... Um, Blake Lively just like chilling. I see some clapping for Adam Sandler. Um, you know, Mindy got a purple award of some kind. Lots of really cool things. And then if you flip your way all the way to the back, here is your girl holding the sign. Actually, that's in the video right behind me here, holding the superhero sign that a student of mine drew for me. And uh, I did not know that the Canadian Dental Hygiene Association, or that Canadian Dental Hygienist Association, is um, also part of this like series and clip. And they wrote some really nice stuff, or I think it was Janice Tober who wrote something. And then I did a little Q&A in the corner here. Um, so this was amazing. Today I got to be on Breakfast Television, which is still online, so I'll share the link below. I sh we did like this funny thing. It was uh, six questions and it was called tooth or false. See what I did there? Cause like tooth or dare podcast and tooth life by rain. So it was like tooth or false. And there were six questions that the hosts had to answer whether it was true or false. And 
I didn't realize that I read one of the questions wrong that actually made the answer be the completely different answer and they aired it on television. Um, and that was interesting, but um, that was really fun. So five minute segment. And then last week I did breakfast television. No, that was today. Uh, City Line. City Line with Tanya, who I have I did this thing with them during COVID. It was a TNT where they interviewed me in, in the office, but this was live on set and it was the first time I'd ever been like on an actual TV set and there was a call time and there's people and there's like microphones and you know, all of the stuff that you assume that you would see on a, on a TV set. And then this morning was also very overwhelming because there was like multiple areas and, um, it was really cool. So I'm glad that I got to do that. I'm glad that I got to advocate for dental hygiene in, in a way that um, makes a big impact to, you know, even just getting people to know that independent dental hygiene is a thing. Um, I had a conversation with Sid, who was the host of Breakfast Television this morning, and I was like the last segment that went on before they closed. And we had a little bit of a chat about you know what what it is that a dental hygienist can do and does and um anyway, i think that's really powerful so thank you for whoever found me on the internet and asked for me to do this i was very grateful um so now let's get into the episode shall we this episode is sponsored by our friends at phillips and it was recorded live on the trade show floor in vancouver it's my first time at um at the Pacific Dental Conference, which is PDC. Beautiful, like, scenery, mountains in the background, planes landing on water near the trade show. It was just, like, absolutely stunning. Unfortunately, I only got to go in and out for, like, under 18 hours. It was pretty nuts. But it was wonderful. The trade show floor was beautiful. It was so nice to see, like, fellow Canadian peeps. I don't get to go to too many Canadian conferences, so it was really nice to, like, you know, get to connect with some of you like viewers slash listeners at home. So that was lovely. And um, we recorded this episode live on the trade show floor at the Phillips booth. So we like took over this cool little area and um, I got to interview Dr. Donnelly who you've seen on the podcast before or you've heard him on the podcast before, but now you're gonna get to see him on the podcast also. And let me tell you, he's not only brilliant, but he's also really entertaining. <laughs> Dr. Donnelly practices in uh, Bowling Green, Kentucky. He is a private practice periodontist, does perio and implantology. He's a really interesting guy. Uh, if you've asked him about flossing before, you know exactly what I mean, or his philosophies, philosophy around flossing, you'll hear more about it in the episode. He's done a lot of really amazing things to connect dentistry and dental hygiene doctor specifically in dental hygiene and he's a huge hygiene advocate. It feels like he's like a hygienist at heart. Um, he's spent his entire career fighting inflammation with his patients um, and I think that, I don't even know how to say it, like he's, he works and he speaks with such conviction about our profession um, that he has, you know, almost all of the answers and we're just it's just time for us to absorb it all and implement it. Um, so I think that he's a really interesting speaker to, to listen to if you ever get the opportunity. He's written a textbook. I think he wrote like the very first debridement textbook um, and active oral systemic health 
research like he does a lot of that stuff so he's a huge intellect but he's also a really great and kind human being um and i was grateful and honored that he chose to spend some time um in his busy day right after speaking to talk to me about his lecture and that's what this episode is basically all about you'll hear some um information about what he spoke about and then some kind of tough questions at the end that i had for him in you know true irene style um so yeah that was uh, the interview itself and lastly you're gonna hear the sponsored messaging right from the source i got a chance to interview cindy and uh, lindsay who are both internal peeps from phillips and I asked them four really difficult questions and you'll hear the answers to each of them over the course of the next few episodes. One of them was about sensitivity, uh, post-whitening or prevention of sensitivity, the difference between different types of power toothbrushes. Um, and I think that you'll really enjoy this sponsored messaging because it also gives you an answer to the problems that we have in everyday life as a dental hygienist or dental person. So stay tuned to this episode with Dr. Tim Donnelly um, and until next time, peace out, peeps. Are we simply flossing these days? What's the deal with flossing? We're going to interview Tim Donnelly. Don't ask him about yeah. flossing. Oh, I know. Oh, well, there you go. I'm going He's, to. Yeah. Cause, cause <laughs> He'll go. He'll I want you know. to. Okay, yeah. here we go. Yeah. Um, this could be short because yeah. he's going to really do a I good know. job on that. <laughs> One of the newest products in your armamentarium has been not a toothbrush. So over the last 24 months, Philips released a new product, mm -hmm. two, yeah. handheld version and a tabletop version, mm -hmm. which I bo have both of, um, that is not flossing. Yeah. It is using water irrigation to disturb interproximal and subgingival <laughs> biofilm using a super s specific, I guess it's called a nozzle, right? Quadstream yep. nozzle. Quadstream yeah. nozzle. Yeah. Um, yeah. Tell me more about that about uh, how the discussion will go with a patient who perhaps is being hammered into flossing regularly and now we're developing a new product and and i mean what's tell me more tell me more tell yeah. me more yeah. tell me more <laughs> going back to greece okay yeah yeah well we know our patients don't like to floss yeah. and even those patients of ours who say they floss some of them do a great job others not so much not so much yeah. so sometimes we're we're surprised when they say they have been flossing because there's no evidence of that in their show. mouth. Exactly. Right. So, and, and for many years, dental professionals have pushed the, pushed the floss. Yeah. And I believe it's time to end the madness because, <laughs> I mean, if they're using it correctly, stop the leave them alone, right? Yeah. Leave them alone. If they're healthy, leave them alone. Let them do what they're doing. But if they're not, and there's so many that aren't, mm. then let's recommend something that they might actually use. And the um, Philips Sonicare Power Flosser is very exciting because yeah. it uses very um, unique technology mm. in that quad stream nozzle to cover nine times more surface area than a standard nozzle mm. will cover. Wow. It's easy to use and it has two modes. It has a clean mode, which is 60 seconds at the 30 second mark till it hesitates to tell you to move to the second half of yeah. the mouth. But in the deep clean mode, it's 90 seconds. 
every 1.33 seconds, it tells you to move to the next tooth. So it's really the only oral irrigation device on the market that has a tooth by tooth pacer, yeah. which is completely different from anything else. Yeah. So it has that. It has the um, quad stream nozzle, which sprays in an X-shaped pattern, really covers a lot of surface area so that it removes 99.9% .9 of biofilm. Yeah. 99.9% yeah. yeah. of Almost yeah. perfect, just like you. So I do mean. I yeah. still need to brush? Almost Absolutely. perfect, just like me. Oh my gosh, can I bottle you up? <laughs> Did you hear her, Alessandra? She said it was perfect. She's like, I can't hear her. <laughs> One of the studies um, was... Uh, looking at how with a manual toothbrush, manual toothbrush plus string floss, manual toothbrush plus power flosser, and power toothbrush and power yeah. flosser. The um, power flosser groups, both of them, with manual toothbrush and power toothbrush perform better than the There's a study manual. for this, right? Yeah. 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 Okay. Yeah. And the abstract is on philipsoralhealthcare.com. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So, um, so it just shows that both of them work better, but when you, com when you combine the um, power flosser and the, the Sonicare, yep. it yeah. really, really removed, you know, biofilm yeah. significantly better, reduced gingival inflammation and reduced bleeding. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And that's a that's a study against um, string floss. A study was also done comparing interdental brushes, and we know interdental brushes when you find the right size and you use it regularly, they can be very effective. Um, but it even cleans better than yeah. than. Um, Interdental brushes, and which is really with great. Interdental brushes is we have so many different embrasure sizes yes. and spaces. Yes. Um, some that go through and through, some that are only from the buckle versus right. from the lingual, right. or we've got areas that have implants. Uh, so then someone would have to have like I don't know. I just envision this like knife kit, you know, like the the chef's yeah, knife with kit. Yeah, you know, with all the different. When you sizes open up and you're like, well, with this area I'm going to use this, this paring knife, and on this other one I'm going to use a cleaver. And I'm just thinking about what patient is going to do that. Right. Yeah. I mean, yeah. the inability to really tailor that intraoral care mm -hmm. and be careful with implant areas where you actually don't want to use floss because there's some research that suggests that the exposed threads will take some of the filaments of floss and it can lead to long-term implant failure and implant mucositis and peri-implantitis. So I think that what's the safest thing to use is water right. and air yeah. um, where there isn't a lot of like physical touch mm -hmm. uh, to those sensitive right. structures. Yeah. But, okay, thanks for the tip. Yeah, thank you. Dr. Donnelly, welcome back. Uh, it's thrilling to be here. Are you thrilled? Absolutely positive. This is exciting. Yeah, no, this is what makes dentistry worthwhile. You think so? Yeah, the energy. The energy. It's yeah. Energy. I love I love companies like Philips that allow us to take over a, a third of their very expensive booth for, for some bright lights and some fun content. Because I love podcasts, but I think live podcasts are just way more engaging. No, the live podcast is good. And then also all of the leftover free stuff at the booth. Do we get the free stuff? I'm absolutely going to take it whether we get it or not. With the big the big toothbrush? <laughs> I would I, love uh, this thing in my li in my uh, office. That'd be cool. Yes. Someone's going to be able to take that home. Yes. We're here at PDC to talk about your lecture that you delivered today and you're delivering one tomorrow. Um, and it's on implant failures, implant maintenance. I think I'll read. I'll read the synopsis. So it's keeping your keep your implants off the failure list. What to do before, during, and after placement. Uh, where you discuss peri implant disease as a growing concern, which includes peri implantitis and peri mucositis, right? 
Correct. Um, and then you talk about the differences between the disease process around these implants compared to natural teeth. And I'd love to get your insights on, you know, what does that look like in your practice? What does your team do? Like what, tell, tell me from the beginning to end kind of, I mean, a short 15 minute version of your lecture, but what, how everyone has a different protocol. Like there is no, this is what we all must do, is there? Uh, there is not, but there needs to be. Yeah. Uh, and actually the, the title might be uh, how to uh, keep your implants off the failure list, but it's really a wider subject. The, the topic that I've been hot on for the last couple of years is there's a better way of doing things in dentistry. Hmm. And it's not just that it's uh, what the evidence says. You have to, part of the evidence-based approach indeed involves looking at what the literature says, but then using clinical judgment by definition is part of that. And very few of us dental professionals feel empowered to use our clinical judgment. Mm. And as a result, we end up doing things because that's the way we were taught. So yeah. the topic today happens to be dental implant maintenance. However, it can apply to all aspects of dentistry. When it comes to keeping your implants off the failure list, the thing that's critical to realize is it's a whole different world in, in dentistry. You know, we used to always be about First of all, for cleaning people's teeth, sure. which theoretically does nothing, you know, in the long term. Then secondly, we became noble and we're about helping people save their teeth, which we still can do. But we now know without question that the goal of dentistry has to be to help people maintain a preferred level of oral health. And a preferred level of oral health is a dentition that's aesthetic, that's functional, but that's relatively disease-free hmm. over time. Right. And then to be maintainable as such. And certainly implants play a role. We know that if there's disease that's persistent in the mouth, there's no question about the fact that that can have adverse effects beyond the mouth. It's indisputable. Forget wasting your time on, well, there's no proof that periodontal disease is linked to anything. It's overwhelming that Inflammation in the body drives systemic disease. It's indisputable that the mouth contributes to that inflammation if there's disease in the mouth. So, yeah, help people keep their teeth, make them look nice, but absolutely make sure patients realize they have to partner with us for life yeah. to keep things relatively disease-free over their lifespan. Right. Now, what, the reason that's significant with implants is, in a nutshell, the disease process around implants is magnified compared mm -hmm. to natural teeth. We struggle enough with natural teeth getting and keeping them inflammation free. And for all the reasons that I said, it, it provides benefits beyond the mouth. Man, it's really significant to do that around implants. Yeah. The second issue is you can't approach it the way we've approached it with natural teeth. Totally sure. different story. There's a lot of nuances with, the tit with titanium and how we handle titanium. So what the course is about is based on the current knowledge today, this is what my clinical judgment says is a reasonable thing to do mm. to manage the health of soft tissues around titanium. So what do you, what do you recommend? What, what types of things are your clinicians in your practice doing for an implant? The best way to discuss it is to first, you have to define the disease. Sure. Disease around implants has really little to do with pocketing. Right. And we've sold ourselves on the fact that, you know, we're all about pocketing. 
Now, disease by definition now around implants has to do with inflammation. Mm -hmm. So you treat if there's inflammation on implants, most notably uh, visible with bleeding upon probing. And we have to treat or at least offer treatment till we get the site relatively free of inflammation over time. So number one, we have to, every time the patient comes in, if there is titanium in their mouth, determine if there's inflammation in the soft tissues adjacent to the titanium. Because that disease, if it is present, is magnified compared to natural teeth. Mm -hmm. Then secondly, we know, like natural teeth, the disease process is initiated by bacteria. And of course, it's the host response that results in that. What we have to do is interrupt the bacteria. Mm -hmm. Well, that's where things differ than with natural teeth. In essence, probably the best way to think about it is there's smooth titanium yeah. and there's rough titanium. Now, typically the fixtures have both a combination of smooth and rough titanium. Yep. The rough part is designed to create more surface area so that the bone, bone integrates. Right. Yeah, right. If either the implant isn't placed properly or if disease has caused the bone to deteriorate to where <coughs> I have to stop smoking. That's, that's all there is to me. You can drink. Have a drink. If well, I think when we look at the history of implants and what implants have looked like and progressed over the years, I mean, rough was always advised to be best because the goal was integration with bone. And then over the course of the years, it has become a smoother and smoother and machined surface. But well, most implants I mean, though, but most some still have a combination of the two. Yeah, most have a roughened surface for the. But the point is that's supposed to be encased in the bone. Yeah. So number one, what I teach is when you're placing the implant, make sure that you're placing it such that the rough portion is encased, not just in bone, but in viable bone. Mm -hmm. But then if bone resorption has caused that rough titanium to be exposed, no longer encased to bone, then we have to start, and there's disease, we have to then consider how do we interrupt the etiology from smooth titanium and from rough titanium? And the etiology itself is not just plaque and calculus, but there's microscopic etiology. Sure. Everything's caused by biofilm. Biofilm forms plaque. Plaque calcifies and won't calcul calculus. And of course, when I say calculus, we all know what that is. But in, rea <coughs> in reality... Somehow we're shorting, you're shorting out. There we go, try that again. Uh, biofilm forms plaque, plaque calcifies and won't calculus, but in rea reality, not all biofilm is visible, not all calculus is clinically visible. If you want to maximize resolution of disease, you have to remove any visible detectable etiology. You have to remove any potential microscopic etiology. Mm -hmm. The way we have to determine whether microscopic etiology is present or not is we assume at a disease, at a site where there's disease, mm -hmm. that there is microscopic etiology. So to maximize the chance that we get health to be restored, and the underlying such as it's really important around implants, we have to so we So let me intervene your, your thought process there with a question about most recently guided biofilm therapy, GBT airflow has become a really popular thing among the cool kids these days. Thoughts on the use of it? I mean, the goal is that we're not just removing purple stuff off the teeth and making it look cute. What, what, is, what are your thoughts on the use of it with regards to implant maintenance? Yeah, great question. And whether we're talking about 
air polishing or titanium tip curettes or chlorhexidine, local antibiotic delivery, uh, any method of debridement. Yeah. The critical thing to realize is the goal is now, or the objective, is to remove both clinically detectable etiology, any potential microscopic etiology, yeah. but the latest information says there's two additional parameters. One, we don't want to mess with the chemical composition of titanium. There's a titanium oxide layer. Mm -hmm. That's what allows for implants to work. We're finding out that a lot of chemotherapeutics, acidic chemotherapeutics, can affect the titanium oxide layer. Mm -hmm. We're also finding out that mechanical manipulations can affect the titanium oxide layer. Mm -hmm. So number one concern with whatever method you're using is does it remove the etiology in all of its forms and does it affect the titanium oxide layer? A second concern that's growing that absolutely is going to come home to roost is that certain manipulations cause the release of extremely small particles of titanium, these titanium nanoparticles, mm -hmm. which have been implicated in long-term disease. Bottom line, what this all means is we might be making it worse. We don't, is there a long enough study? I mean, is there a long enough research that de decides what the, the implications are of well, there, of course, there's never sufficient right. length. Right. However... Most studies <coughs> and with more study is required. Right, right, right. <laughs> We're getting this from medicine. And right. medicine's well aware of this with artificial hips. Right. That even during passive wear, that the, the titanium nanoparticles can be released and cause a foreign body response. And what that all means is, as we talked about earlier, from a clinical judgment standpoint, you got to decide what's the most reasonable thing. So if there's microscopic etiology on smooth titanium. Air polishing absolutely positively has the potential to remove that. Yeah. Absolutely. Rough titanium that's no longer encased in bone, we really don't know. No matter what powder you're expressing during the air polishing, we really don't know what effect that's having on the titanium, mm. nor whether the impact of that releases titanium particles. We don't know. Yeah. In terms of chemotherapeutics, any acidic chemotherapeutic. It, interesting, the fluorides are implicated in, a, in affecting titanium. You know, my clinical judgment says if your patient has implants and there's titanium exposed to your cavity and you're going to bleach their teeth, yeah. man, you probably want to put some masking agents over the titanium because the bleach can change the chemical composition. And it also changes the pH of the mouth in general. So, I mean increased levels of oral pH using some no question. carbon so, dioxide, carbon, I mean, take home trays, for example, that have carbon peroxide or carbamide peroxide. Absolutely. That would be a, a no-go in my game. So what we do in our practice is if there is an implant present, the first thing we want to know is, is there inflammation in the tissue? If there isn't, we don't do a thing. Mm. That whole adage of giving it a few good scrapes, the risk of, of messing up the titanium is too great. We don't do a thing if it meets the definition of health. If there's disease, the next question is, has there been bone involvement? Mm. If there's bone loss, by definition, it's peri-implant uh, peri titis. As a general rule, you cannot address that non-surgically. Yeah. It's impossible. Even surgically, we're limited. But for peri-implant mucositis, to get that, which is reversible to reverse. If there's etiology on smooth titanium, calcified debris, you can use either a protected ultrasonic insert mm -hmm. or you can use a titanium-tipped instrument. Yeah. 
calcified, clinically detectable calcified debris on smooth titanium. If you're talking about removing biofilm, microscopic etiology from rough titanium, I'd be hesitant yeah. to use air polishing. For that, what I like to use is an ultrasonic device but not actually touch the surface. Hmm. You know, I call upon the uh, beneficial aspects of the cavitational effect. Yeah. So I can hold the insert as close as possible to the rough titanium, let the cavitational effect disturb itself. Yeah. To remove calcified debris from rough titanium, we have no good solution. Right. We don't have a solution to yeah. remove it without messing up the titanium. That's Absolutely. Dentistry has to figure that Wonderful. out. Wonderful. Thank <coughs> you for sharing the insights of your lecture. I appreciate your time yeah, you today. Bet. This is going to be fun. Thank you. Yeah, this say is goodbye to everybody. This is always the best. And uh, the important thing in dentistry nowadays, especially since most things are virtual, is get someone you believe in and to use that interaction to better formulate your own clinical judgment. Agreed. And I think it's quite clear. I deeply believe in you. Wow. Dr. That, that, Donnelly. No, nah, that's the truth, man. It's Thank like, you. There's, there's a lot of places to get information. There's not a lot of places to get good, solid information. And I believe in science. Yep. One way or the other. I mean, I will share a study of something that I thought I believed in, and now I no longer do. If you believe in science, then I believe in you. Thank you. How's that? Wait, don't go yet. We're going to do uh, one, one quick two-minute clip <coughs> with two hard questions with Dr. Donnelly. All right. You got two hard questions coming at you, Dr. Donnelly. You ready? Lay, lay them on me. Number one. What's one thing you wish you didn't know? One thing that I wish I didn't know. Think about it. Take a sip of water. We'll edit out all the dead air. But what's one thing you wish you didn't know about anything, about life, about jazz music, about you name it? One thing that I wish I didn't know is that most people fake it. Hmm. Mm -hmm. Most people fake it. The do they fake it until they make it or do they just fake it the whole no, way? No, I think there's a lot of people that fake it the whole way. And naively i used to be relatively literal and believed what people said and responded to that and sadly you can't do that you yeah. know agreed last question tell me how you feel about floss <laughs> <laughs> i saved that one to the very end so you were you i don't some people may call you notorious for it uh, you it's are you are notorious <laughs> for being what's the what's the, not a, what's the opposite of an advocate? Um, you you hate floss. No, it's not that I. Hate you it. hate I, it? No, I, I believe science. It's what worthless. You, it's completely worthless. <laughs> if if your patient is flossing and they have no <laughs> disease, keep doing it. Absolutely, positively. The bottom line is, floss was invented by a dentist in his basement. That's the research behind it. Okay. <laughs> and, and that's where it came from. And you put a piece of three string between the teeth and you smell it and it smells real badly. And you go, wow, this must be a good thing to do. It must be working. Okay. The etiology is microscopic. We know right. that. The tooth surface isn't smooth and it isn't concave. Mm. If you diagram an interproximal tooth surface, floss hits it in two points. Yep. That's the only thing that you're going to remove mechanically. There are much more effective ways to expose the maximum amount of the surface to a method capable of interrupting even microscopic etiology. Floss ain't it. <laughs> Europe, Europe's way ahead of us. They know it. They get it. Yep. Uh, it's so misplaced and so pathetic that we have embraced that as the solution to dental health. None of your patients, I'm telling you, go home and take 
12 inches of floss, roll it between their middle fingers, form the letter C, go up and down until it squeaks, advance it to a clean part, and go up and down until that squeaks. We're lucky if we get them to brush twice. Nobody (laughs) does it. The ones that do don't do it right. Right. But most importantly, it's not the best thing for the job. I was at the airport last week coming home from Chicago, and I was going to get a bottle of water. Going to get a bottle of water from one of those, you know, vendor kiosk things. And there was a woman that had a piece of floss. She was holding it out to about, I don't know, half a, half a foot or a foot. And she was seesawing it between, like, two teeth at the same time. It looked like she was cleaning her back with it. And I walked over there, and I grabbed the bottle from the cooler, and I put it on the thing. And luckily, she hand sanitized a little bit. But I didn't know what she was doing. She was uh, So I said, that's the most interesting flossing technique I've ever seen. And she's like, oh, you know, I had Chipotle for lunch, and she gave me this whole spiel. And I was like, has anyone ever showed you how to floss properly? And she just kind of looked at me blankly. I'm like, I'm a, de- I'm a dental hygienist. And she's like, oh, well, what are the odds? And I'm like, so maybe you should watch a YouTube video or something, because what you were doing was, like, chopping down a tree, seesawing this, like, one-foot-long piece of floss. So well, if they're going to do it like that, then I'd rather they just don't do it at all. Go ahead and watch the videos. When the report came out uh, calling into question the necessity to floss a couple years ago, and it was like this public outrage. I have this great clip of the, the current president at the time of the Academy of Periodontology saying it's no and we're not saying don't floss it's really important mm. and he on a type of dot is demonstrating he's incorrectly doing it wrong. yeah yeah <laughs> that's too it's funny like, yeah okay i don't even want to get <clears throat> into what is seen endoscopically with an endoscope of patients that are flossing incorrectly and also flossing around implant structures filaments of that floss it's All being it. seen subgingively I mean, I don't even want to get into that because I feel like Dr. Donnelly is just going to, he's going to flip this table right yes, now yes, and yes. rage. Just take, take your floss, tie a knot around your finger and use it to remind you that there are better ways to clean it approximately. And then hang up Christmas ornaments with it because it has a peppermint scent and it's really nice you for your You can do that, yes. I live in <laughs> Kentucky. We have bacon flavored floss and my patients still don't do it. Oh my gosh. Thank you for your tips. Appreciate it, Dr. Donnelly. Cool. You're amazing. Thank you, sir. That's it. We're done. Uh, Oh, hi. So you made it all the way to the end. Thank you for sticking around. And I hope you enjoyed this episode, found it informative, entertaining, and of course, as per usual, find me hilarious. If you liked what you heard, it would really mean a lot to me if you could show your support by liking, commenting, or sharing this episode with a friend or family member. Your feedback and engagement helped me get on the mic today, and it would also improve our future shows and reach more people who maybe could benefit from our content as well. If you haven't already, please consider subscribing to my podcast on your favorite platform or on YouTube. Follow along on this crazy journey with me at toothlife.irene and at toothordare.podcast on Instagram and Twitter. That way you'll be the first to know when episodes are released and you won't miss a beat. I appreciate your support and look forward to bringing you more great episodes in the future. From my team to yours, thanks again for listening and I'll catch you on the flip side.